I just want to wake up every day, throw a leg over my scoot, and ride. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. Stories from the road, on-road and off-road. Whether you are a rider, wrencher, racer, or just a weekend warrior, this is the show for you. You found us, my fellows. And now, your host, Bob Marshall. Good morning, my fellows. Or whatever time of day, it might be wherever you are. Mm. For me, it's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning here in the pit of Southern California, also known as Riverside, a place I call home. We're going to do an entire show right about now about what it really takes when one hears the call of the open road. I released a show yesterday, part two, Beulah May and I doing the Ride 1K in a day. Needless to say, the messages have been intense. So I thought I'd go over a few pointers on what it takes to ride 1K in a day for myself and for anyone, for anything, for any real reason. You got to do 200 miles, all this will apply. You got to do 50 miles, it doesn't matter. Riding has very little to do with leg over that fine machine and moving forward and has everything to do with the way the road calls to you as it calls to all of us. I'm going to start here with a nice little something to get us going. This is from Song of the Open Road by Walt Whitman. From this hour I ordain myself lucid of limits and imaginary lines, going where I list my own master, total and absolute, listening to others, considering well what they say, pausing, searching, receiving, contemplating, gently but with undeniable will, divesting myself of the holds that would hold me. I inhale great droughts of space. The east and the west are mine, and the north and the south are mine. From Walt Whitman, his poem, Songs of the Open Road. So what does it take? Let's get down to it. When the road calls to you, this is the show where I answer for you, my fellows, the few good questions that I have been blessed to receive in email, direct message, Facebook, all the good stuff on what it takes. So let's start at the beginning with a story. Of course it starts with a story. It always starts with a story. Several years ago, as a lot of you may know, I was racing choppers illegally in an unsanctioned market cross-country in a little something that was called the Stampede. What was the Stampede? The Stampede was the most righteous, exciting, dangerous form of chopper cross-country racing you could ever imagine. How fast you can get from the West Coast to the East Coast on a home-built scoot. It was above and beyond the most exciting thing anybody, I think, could ever imagine. So after competing in it a few times, I had to 
sit down and write a book about it. And it wasn't writing the book was to simply educate others or let other people know what I was doing. Writing the book was my selfish activity that I used to share my story with how it all works. So a lot of the things I'm about to go through can all be found in the book, my book, American Roadrunner. My pops absolutely hated the idea of having to race a chopper cross country. He thought it was the stupidest thing I ever came up with, but he was extremely supportive, always there for me when I left on the West Coast, because we live here on the West Coast. So he was always there with his unwavering, undying support and doing his best to be dad and watch his crazy kid go off on adventure. But then I mentioned to him, they've got this self-challenge, Pops. You can ride 1K in a day. That's 1,000 miles in 24 hours. At the time, my dad had to be 65, diabetic, asthmatic, overweight, loved his super big black Honda VT1300 that you'll see me riding around on every so often. And he looked at that and he went, you know what? The mouth click is very important, by the way. If you ever met my dad, the mouth click is what it's all about. You know what? I think I could do that. That was his comment. So that was the plan. We kept setting out how we can do the Ride 1K and a J challenge together. But life gets in the way. He had just been remarried a year or two earlier. I was real busy writing a book, uh, you know, jumping all over the place. And we got to take a few good rides at the end. We hopped over to Cornville for Corn Free, you know, in his last year and a few other good things. But at the end of the day, I personally attract to the Ride 1K in a Day self-challenge because it was the only thing that my dad and I could agree on when it came to conquering something on the road together. We never got to do a Ride 1K together. The man died in my arms some almost three years ago. But what I did get to do is a year after his death and taking his ashes back to our family plot up in Aberdeen, South Dakota, I rode the 1K in a Day Challenge by myself with my dad in the saddlebag. The powers that be that put on the Ride 1K in a Day were courteous enough to give my dad a certificate as well as myself. And it was good stuff. So that is where it all began for me with the Ride 1K in a Day Challenge. It has nothing to do with how awesome Curtis Morgan is, the man who puts it on. It has nothing to do with sponsorship dollars or anything like that. There, there's no money in any of this, people. Please don't ever think there is. This is all about story sharing. And I attract to the Ride 1K in a day, even though I've raced thousands of miles cross-country on old beat-up choppers or my Goldwing or my Hondas or whatever it may be. It's okay for me to accept that a thousand miles in a day is very doable. And boy, it's one hell of a road. It's one hell of a ride and it's something we can all do for ourselves. But again, it doesn't matter how many miles you do. Let's start at the beginning. How to ride your bike. And we're going to have some sub features regarding the pandemic. So let's talk about your bike. A lot of things that stop people from riding distance has to do with their bike. But I promise you, if your old Honda CB750 can do a thousand miles in six months, hopping around town, 
hopping around bars, whatever you do with it, it can do a thousand miles in a day. It's not going to kill it. The nicer you are to it when you're on the road, the better it's going to be back to you. But maybe you got a few things to fix, so fix it. You know, you change the oil, you sink the carbs, you clean the carbs, you make sure everything's good. You, you put the wiring back together as needed, solder this, solder that, tape this, tape that. You make sure you're confident with it all. And even if you aren't completely confident, I promise you, if your bike's hopping around town, it's going to easily do a road trip of a thousand miles or whatever you need it to do. So food, water, etc. while on a long ride. So during this pandemic, obviously, food, water, all these things have been a real issue. If you read my book, you notice I'll take nothing with me and just grab it all on the road. Well, that's not really doable anymore. So personally, I love the little beef jerky sticks that you can buy at the store and I'll pack, you know, six or eight of those for the day. Uh, I love trail mix. Everybody loves making fun of me for my freaking trail mix. But boy, I tell you what, it takes a long time to chew a mouthful of trail mix and there's a whole freaking bottle of it. Man, I just mentioned that and my stomach started rumbling. I don't know what's going on. Well, I haven't eaten breakfast yet. I suspect any minute my son's going to pop out of his room and go, Dad, what's for breakfast? But so trail mix, that works really well for me. It's in a bag. I put it in a bag. If it doesn't come in a bag, I'll put it in like a one pound coffee bag so I can literally eat while I'm on the road, eat while I'm moving. If you're not comfortable doing that, just, you know, when you're at the gas station, pour some in your mouth, jump on the road, whatever works. It's a good way to keep your food up, but we're going to get into that in a minute. Okay. Your gear. So many people worry that their gear is not good enough for the open road. In case you haven't noticed, in case you haven't seen in the photos, I have a vest that goes over a Dickies jacket. I have jeans and I'll have uh, overalls or coveralls, depending on the weather. This is my basic gear. There's nothing exciting about it. Nobody sponsors me. Nothing's done up crazy. Now I do, of course, I've sewn pleather into my coveralls or overalls at the knees. So that way I've got a lot of good protection on the road and I don't wear the front of my legs out for lack of a better term, but it's nice to have that protection if I go down. Now, of course, I'm a huge advocate of all the gear all the time, whatever gear you are comfortable wearing all the time, that's what you got to do. Now, of course, above all that, I do have a suit. You'll hear me mention my suit. I write about it in my book. I laugh at it. It rolls up to the size of a sleeping bag, and I'll use it as a sleeping bag when I'm riding to camp. But it covers all of me, enables me to ride through snow, uh, thunderstorms, all the stuff, all the things. My, my big black funny suit uh, keeps me going. And I also, of course, have added pleather to the knees of that. Um, just to keep some of the wind, rain, and weather off my legs. Because that's where the rain always gets in first, you know, between your shins and your knees. And it can get real uncomfortable because it starts leaking down into your boots. So I work hard for that. Uh, so let's talk about, let's say you've decided you're going to do a ride 1K in a day. Let's go through the list. For example, it could only be, again, 200 miles, 50 miles, it doesn't matter. Sleeping the night before. So this can be a problem for people mentally. I know. I've been there. You think, 
I'm going to sleep. I got a big thing to do in six hours. I meant to get to bed an hour ago. So now it's time to sleep. And you lay there in bed and you realize there are questions that you still have that don't have answers. And then you end up staying up half the night. By the time you wake up, you've gotten three hours of good sleep, if that, and you're not ready. <clears throat> you are not going to go have a successful day on three hours of sleep. Maybe some people can. I know I've done it before. We've all done it. But this is not going to work for you. So you can either mentally prepare. I've done this where a week before I have to do a race, I pack everything. I get everything ready to go. I pretend. I just pretend and go through the exercise of maybe it's the day before the race. And I see if I can fall asleep. And if I can't, then I know I've got to mentally prepare myself to sleep the night before any good race, any good ride, whatever it may be. So when you do leave your house, you have to know that you have to make sure everything's good. Dogs are taken care of. Uh, wife's good not seeing you for 24 hours or days, whatever it may be. Because God forbid you break down in the middle of nowhere and don't complete and, you know, whatever. Like, all these things have to be figured out. If you have to be back by a certain time to feed the dog, feed the kids, pick, this may not work. So it's good to make sure all your ducks are in a row. And it will work, but you have to make sure you are comfortable with whatever you're doing. So the ride. The ride is not about the ride. Let's talk about your ride. It's all about you. And this is for you. So you get to set up your mind mentally to know that everything that you're doing is self-serving. And it's all about having fun, having a good time, and making it all work. So get your mind wrapped around this ride being your ride. And while on the ride, let's talk about that. You're on the ride. You've taken off. Everything's packed. Your gear's on. You've zipped up your jacket, you've zipped up your vest, you've put your gloves on, helmets on, you got your turtle around your neck or bandana, you've got everything you need. You are in full costume and ready to go. You have one task. You have one mission to conquer. The mission is move. You have to keep that bike moving and keep your wheels winding and moving, turning and turning on road. The more your wheels move, the better you're going to do a conquering whatever you set out to do. They don't have to move fast. You don't have to do 120 miles an hour. What you have to do is keep them moving, whatever that may be. So let's talk about that. Speed versus time. Everybody always asks me, how do you, do you just drive 120 miles an hour? No, 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 I don't. I do not ride 120 miles an hour. I'll ride on average, you know, a few miles above the speed limit. I'm passing big rigs. I'm usually passing minivans full of cars, but there's always a dude in a Corvette, usually wearing a hat and the top down who's passing me or a Porsche or whatever. And so I'm always looking in my little rearview mirror, trying to find them because you start hauling butt down the road. You're going a little faster than everyone else. Then all of a sudden, some Corvette or Porsche passes you doing 120. You just got to mentally get used to it and be okay with it. So that's how I usually do it. But here's what I do is I keep moving. My stops are quick. I do my very best to know that where all my talent is, is at my stops. 
but we're going to get into that in a little bit. During the ride, I relax. I relax the entire ride. I accept me sitting on my machine, my hands on the handlebars, maybe just one hand, is my new norm. And you'd be amazed how quick and easy it is to get comfortable in your new norm when there's so much pretty scenery around you that you get to be part of because you are out in it on the road. Mm. Coffee. Love coffee. So you have to enjoy all the scenery without stopping. Everywhere you go, they've got lookout points. They've got stop and put your money here. They've got slow down in our town and leave some dollars while you're here. They've got it all figured out. You get to find a way to rebuke all that and know that your road is about moving. It's about your wheels turning underneath you. But sometimes we get to stop. It's called refueling, gasoline, petrol, whatever it may be. So do you plan it or not? Let's see. My personal opinion is, no, I do not plan my gas stops. I have an idea if there's a large gap where I know I can only do 150 miles, 250 miles, just depends on the bike I'm on. Because, yeah, on my cross-country chop that I used to race, my old KZ1000 that you'll see on the cover of my book, yeah, I have an extra fuel cell. And I can do 220 miles, 250 miles if I'm really good between gas stops, but every so often, or quite often, most of my bikes will only do 100 miles, 150, 120 miles, who knows? Not as much as one might think. So I haven't gotten in the habit of carrying extra fuel. And if you heard on the last show, it I ran out of, I ran out of gas and Beulah saved the day because she brought an extra can. And so she had to bring me back gas so we could finish finish the ride. So I do plan if I see a long stretch on the map, I love pouring over the maps, you know, days before and just learning the routes, being comfortable in the routes, uh, whatever roads they may be. And I don't I don't follow GPS. I've mentioned that. I just write it all on the two inch blue painter's tape. I'll write it in a sharpie, you know, north at this interstate, uh, right at this highway, whatever it may be. And I stick that on my tank. Some people use big magnets. They hand write it all out. They get those magnets from the hard drives of computers. They put that on their tank. Whatever it takes for you. If you're using GPS, cool. But know that a lot of the GPSs on your phone, the Google Maps, whatever, they will drop off. When you lose phone service out in the middle of nowhere, you will be left without maps. So it's okay to find a way to write it out. That's what works for me. Unless you've got a really cool Garmin GPS system. Cool. Rock that. Those don't work for me, but if they work for you, have a good time with it. So I do not plan my gas stops. If you'd like to plan your gas stops, it's a good idea. I prefer gas stops that are off to the right. So there's less time getting on and off the highway with making left turns. Um, at the end of the day, that's where the efficiency comes in. If you're waiting for five minutes for two stoplights to make left turns to get back on the highway, five minutes is five miles. Every minute's a mile. That's how you got to look at it. So if you can do it off to the right, that's better. And I have a lot of fun. It keeps my mind sharp to sniff out the gas stations, see what I can find. So do that your way, planned or not. But I'll tell you what, as soon as I 
hit a gas station. Here's how I do it. I find a good pump that's away from other people. I don't need other people. It doesn't always work. We all know, but I do that. I pull my gloves off. I pull my helmet off. I set it all in front of me. I never put my gear behind me because that's how I forget it. I put it all in front of me so I can see it when I'm mounted on the machine. But, you know, I jump off, I slide the card, I put the gas in the gas tank, I fill it up, and while I'm doing that, I'm thinking real hard, has my motorcycle had any issues? Have I heard any clunks, any clanks, anything I need to check out? You know, and as soon as I'm done fueling and the bike's full, I do a circle of safety. Do I need to add any oil? You know, I've got my cross-country chop burns just a little oil, just enough to piss me off. Maybe... Uh, maybe a third of a quart every thousand miles, you know, just enough where I got to check it every few times. And maybe I want to lube the chain a little and, and all these things. So I do all this, I take care of the bike. And now comes the fun part in this pandemic. I sterilize my hands, of course, slide my credit card. I always slide the credit cards. Uh, and I, you know, I actually carry two credit cards. It's the reason I have two credit cards because I'll get moving so fast that even though my credit cards are open, in all the states to do business and all that stuff, um, they still think I'm moving too fast. So one will stop working and I'll have to use the other one. And then I'll use that one, you know, a time or two, and then maybe it stops working. So I use the other one. Anyways, that's what works for me. And that's the only reason I have two credit cards, but the power of a credit card at a gas pump is expediency. And that's what I use the credit cards for. So grab my receipt, usually put it, you know, put, put it in a small weatherproof container. I refer to as a sandwich bag in my vest and everything's good to go. I don't mind walking around the bike, making sure my tires look good, making sure everything's good to go. I'm always focused on the bike. So now I can focus on me because the bike is good. How am I doing? Do I need to use a restroom? Would it behoove me to get some more coffee at this stop? Um, obviously in this pandemic, coffee has been a big deal. It's, you can't get it everywhere. And depending on where you stop for gas, they may not even have it. So that's something I've had to work out. I've got a large thermos unit that I strap to the bars on some of my bikes and it's literally got this big copper tube that comes out, but I can carry a pot of coffee. So I don't have to stop at all looking for a pot of coffee will last me all day. I really enjoy just kind of sipping on coffee. That's a funny thing. I don't drink a ton of coffee at one time. I literally sip on coffee all day long. That's what works for me. I do the same when I ride. So that's the idea on the gas stops. Uh, my hands are clean now. I've wiped them off. I think sunscreen. So I'll put sunscreen on, or if it's been really dry, I use my balm. Believe it or not, I've made my own balm. Am I going to take it to market? There's a good idea for that. There's good planning for that. But my balm comes in a small container. I put it in these small containers we'd usually get like tobacco chew out of. And I have a really good time. I carry it in my pocket. I formulated it myself because I needed something to put on my face and on my working hands. Something that would heal me and keep me from being so irritated for lack of a better term. It works real well. Um, we just call it Bob's balm. I've given it to several of my friends, 
here, try this out. Everybody seems to really love it, especially people who really work for a living. Um, and it's just a formula of coconut oil, a bit of white jelly, um, some wax, and a few other good nourishing things that keep it all going. So that's what works for me. Put some balm on my face, clean any bugs off of my glasses, uh, you know, any bugs off of my face. I don't always ride. I usually ride with a three quarters helmet. I do have a full, you know, full face helmet, but I make sure too to use whatever water I have on the bike to clean that. I do not use, don't ever, ever use the glass cleaner that they have at the gas station in the uh, windshield wiping or windshield cleaning uh, apparatuses there. So th that will not work. So I just use a bit of water and I do, I carry, we can all carry water differently. Some people love carrying them in the backpacks, the bags. Some people love uh, you know, just in a bottle. So all my motorcycles will have a tank bag and whatever size water bottle I can fit in there, or I throw it forward on my bars, um, hidden under a bag or a net that I have on my bars or a small, I know on my dad's motorcycle, for example, that big black Honda, there is one of those leather pouches and I can just put a liter and a half bottle of water up there and, you know, so I, I do go through all that. If I have to pee, you know, this is where I go inside at the gas stop when I have to pee. I will literally push the bike maybe 50 feet, you know, 100 feet, whatever, to a stall to park. I will not leave the bike parked at the gas pump unless it's a really dead station, then it doesn't matter. But most of the time where I am, the gas stations get busy. It's nice not to leave your bike at the pump. So I'm not pushing it because it's not working. I'm pushing it for the exercise. I'm pushing it to get my heart rate up just a little, to get my body comfortable, to get my legs moving, get the muscles moving in my legs, get the blood pumping. And it seems ridiculous because it's just half a minute of somewhat strenuous activity depending on the layout of the gas station, but it, it adds up. It really keeps me going. So that's a good one. So let's talk about getting back on the road, you know, after you've peed. And yeah, I've had to pee behind gas stations. I've had to go off in the ditch in this pandemic. I've had to get back on the bike and ride a few miles down the road just to find an empty spot, some type of turnout, you know, that I can sneak behind a tree. We're all different. Carry supplies with you just in case. Because yeah, the human body likes to do this thing where it uses a bathroom. And let's face it, where we use the bathroom is the most inconvenient place it can be for the gear that we wear while riding motorcycles. So be ready for all that. But a lot of it comes down to how nervous or unnervous you are about the ride that you're doing. So you get all that down, you're cruising down the road, life is good, you're part of the scenery, you're enjoying the road, the bumps, the bruises that it's given you, you're enjoying everything that it's doing. And then you start to feel a little something we call fatigue. Your body starts fighting back at its new norm. So what do you do? Well, in my book, I refer to it as motorcycle yoga, but I start moving my hands. I start moving my arms. I move my legs a little bit out and in. You know, I don't mind picking up and picking a cheek to sit on on the bike. So I'm not always sitting directly on my tailbone. Personally, I have tailbone issues. That is, I have a very extended tailbone and it catches on everything. So a lot of times you'll see me sitting forward on a motorcycle 
And if you look real closely at my seats, you'll notice under the leather, there's literally a hole. And that hole I've cut out for my tailbone to have somewhere to go. It's just what works for me and what keeps me going for a thousand or thousands of miles without issue. There's also, you know, food. I keep, I do have a tank bag and the tank bag is full of my food. It is where I get my nourishment from and all the good things, but it works extremely well for me to just unzip something, even if it takes me 10 minutes to reach in there and find, you know, one of some beef jerky or to find some trail mix or whatever I may be looking for. I've got time to do that. And I have to pay attention to the road and everything else. This is my comfort level. If this is not your comfort level, that's okay. I love chewing on sunflower seeds when I'm riding. Uh, great nourishment keeps my mouth moving. And I just keep myself moving. About every 10 minutes, I will change positions. So, oh, and above everything, my trash always goes in my left vest pocket. It does not go to the road. I do not, I can literally take whatever trash I've used from, you know, the granola bar package to the beef jerky package. Sometimes I bring little coffee candies with me and I put it all in my left vest pocket. So if you're ever out riding with me, you'll notice every so often I stop and everybody makes fun of me, but I, I reach in my left vest pocket and there's three, four, six items of trash. And I, of course, put them in the trash can as needed. Let's talk about the worst. What would be the worst possible scenario for riding a lot of miles? The answer is the worst is whatever you let the worst be. So maybe you break down, maybe something explodes. Heavens forbid you get in an accident. We haven't had too many or any real big terrible accidents in the ride 1K in a day, but all these things happen. So if something breaks or goes terribly wrong, you know, you've got X amount of time, you're, you're, you're trying to get a thousand miles in 24 hours. If you can't do it, you can't do it. You heard on my last show, you know, this back tire exploded on my dad's big cruiser and it was the scariest thing I've ever done on two wheels. It freaked me the fuck out. You know, I pulled over, I was able to stop the bike and then it was, well, we're in the middle of nowhere. What do we do? Luckily, so Beulah said, well, I've got AAA. Let's call AAA. You know, my idea was call a friend, stop by my house, pick up the truck, come meet me 130 miles to the north, you know, but she had AAA. It worked out well. It cost me, you know, I think it was $280 for the tow, but it was a glorious tow truck, as you heard in the last show. And that's pretty reasonable because I could have been up there a long time in the dark, in the desert. And while we were waiting for the tow truck, we forgot to mention this, but Beulah and I laid down next to our bikes respectively and took a freaking nap. I mean, we had 45 minutes or something. There was nothing else to do. So we had a nice nap on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, in the dark, and just enjoyed the stars. I mean, it was totally awesome. You have to be okay with whatever the road throws at you. You have to be okay with opening up just a little. Maybe you got to accept help from strangers. I, you know, and I remember that these two ladies in this big brand new SUV stopped half a mile down the road from us, turned around. It took them like five minutes, woke, woke me up from my nap. And by the time they pulled up and I just thought, originally I thought, this is going to be bad. 
you know, I even put my helmet on and my gloves on and I thought, I may have to fight, you know, who knows? And it was these two old ladies with a little yap dog and they just wanted to make sure we were okay and did we need anything and could they call anyone for us? So, you know, you never know. We think as Americans, there's, there's fear. And when, when they pulled up, I didn't grab a knife or anything stupid like that. I just put my helmet and gloves on. Cause we all know if you're wearing helmet and gloves, nobody's going to mess with you. you. You look like a freaking alien to them. You look like a pirate. You look like some freaking dirty bike. They want nothing to do with you. So helmet and gloves always work for me in these situations. So that's how you open up and be okay if something breaks or goes terribly wrong. If you can't do the miles you need to do now, you will find a way to open yourself up and do it tomorrow. I mentioned earlier, setting pace. Setting pace for the miles conquered and the miles to come. You have to set your pace. If you go out there and, and you're usually comfortable riding 75 miles an hour and you start doing 90, guess what? You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear your bike out. Moving fast has very little to do with moving fast or going fast. It has everything to do with efficiency, moving forward as efficiently as possible. That is the name of the game. So you find a really good pace. You know, if your pace is 75, 80 at road conditions, maybe your bike likes to do 70. All bikes are different. All bikes have that sweet spot where they just respond a little and they're comfortable and everything's good. Find your bike's sweet spot. Find your sweet spot. Relax. Enjoy being part of the scenery and be okay. If you're doing 75 instead of 90, you can make that up by having a very efficient gas stop very easily. You spend five minutes at the gas station instead of 15, boom, it's made up without issue. I don't know the exact math. Somebody do the math for me. Let me know how far off I am. I'm sure I'm off by a few minutes, but there you are conquering. If you're doing a thousand miles, 200 miles, what happens when you're almost done? What happens when you're almost there? What happens when you get to the last gas stop? By this time, your heart's in your throat. You're impatient. You want to get this done. You want to be done with it. Your body's aching. Things are screaming. Maybe you want to stop for 10 minutes, whatever. You know, and that being said, you ever need to stop? Just stop. Stop for 10 minutes. Lay down next to the bike. You know, maybe you're on a hauling butt down the road. Just pull over. Pull over somewhere safe. Hang out. You're going to lay there for 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, your body's going to go, I'm fine. And your mind's going to remind you, you have somewhere to be and something to do. So that is what you're going to do. You're going to jump back on the back and go. But again, you got to pull over for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever. Make it happen. An hour is totally doable if you're moving efficiently, which means moving fast. So you get to your last gas station. You're almost there. This is where you really have to work on being patient. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to be patient with the process. It's the same for me. I get done with, you know, one of these motorcycle shows. I get done writing an essay. I get done. And this is where the mistakes are made. This is where it gets dangerous. It's happened a few times where for me and for everyone else, we've all been there. We're getting excited to get something done. We get it done and we realize we forgot something. 
Something's out of place. I've loaded a motorcycle show and the soundtrack's wrong. Or there's a, you know, you got to stop. You got to look back. You got to be okay with the process. And the process has to remain as efficiently as possible. And if your process is hauling butt down the road, making it happen, killing the miles, killing the numbers, you got to relax and be okay with doing that. Whatever you can do, that's the best you're going to do. If you do a thousand miles in 19 hours instead of 17 and hours, 45 minutes, that's okay. That's going to be just fine. So always be patient with yourself and always relax. Because guess what? At this point, whatever ride you've set out to conquer, you're done. You've done it. You crossed the finish line. You have everything taken care of. You've made it. Life is good. And you set out to conquer a task. And that task has been completed to the best of your ability. Don't worry about the times. Don't worry about can you do it better? Did you do it better? Whatever it may be. It's going to be great. Your best is going to be good enough for what you're conquering at that particular time in your life. And that's what always works for me. Sometimes I lose. Hell, I lose a lot. And you know what? I'm okay. Sometimes I win. It's just the roll of the dice and it's how it works for all of us differently. So in cap, be okay for you to enjoy your road when it calls to you. And above all, when you're done, share your story. Share your story with other people who ride, but more importantly, share your story with your family members. Share it with your friends. Find a way to share it at work. The more you share stories, the more we learn as humans. And one of the biggest things we can learn and one of the safest things we can do for ourselves and other motorcycle riders is allowing everybody to know that you are a normal person. And if you are out riding a motorcycle, it's okay for other people who prefer to just drive cars to be aware that you are the ones out riding motorcycles. And that's the biggest and best thing we can ever do for our community of motorcycle riders. I don't have all the answers. Everything I've just mentioned, it's all in my book. It's just all laid out in a good story. And people have told me that. I don't mention my book enough. Yes, I authored a book. It's been out uh, two years, two and a half years. It's been out a while. You can find it anywhere. Amazon, my website, uh, you know, Google Books. Uh, it's even on Kobo. I, where, wherever you can get a book, you can, you can go to a store. It won't be on the shelf, usually, although it's on the shelf a few places here locally in Southern California. But, oh, and that super cool place, Revival Cycles, over in Austin. They've got copies and a few, uh, there's a few Harley dealers. My point is, my book is available, American Roadrunner. If you ever want to get in-depth about everything I just said, it's in the book. I've written it all out, and boy, what a great time that was. So that's why I keep writing books. Uh, the Audible will be available very shortly. Uh, that's all done. It was a lot of fun to record it, because... I've got a recording studio, so why not? So on this beautiful, lazy Sunday morning here in America, gorgeous weather, I got a few good plans to hang out with my dude, do a few things around the house, a few things to clean, got a motorcycle to fix, 
but it was nice to sit down with y'all and enjoy my cup of coffee here this Sunday morning in America on the American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show. Be good to yourself, my fellows, and enjoy your road. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. All I want is a machine between my legs and an open highway. Music for the American Roadrunner podcast is brought to you by Meek. The American Roadrunner podcast is an ARR production. Keep up with Bob Marshall and his adventures and stories from the road at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com, American Roadrunner on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. We'll see you on the road.